Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted forty days and forty nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones become loaves of bread. Jesus said in reply, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. He said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command the angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him up on a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their magnificence. And he said to him, All these I shall give you if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. At this Jesus said to him, Get away, Satan. It is written, The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. The Gospel of the Lord. As we have done and will continue to do uh, on this pilgrimage is to bring you into the various places um, where obviously the Lord must have in some way or another uh, passed through. Uh, and we've, we've experienced those places. Uh, today, Mass in the Desert, the idea of the baptism, you'll renew baptismal vows. And again, the whole point is to uh, not only see and feel uh, and it, but to experience it. And the reason we do is because we're incarnate beings. We, we live in terms of our, our senses. Uh, you know, we, we live in terms of how we function. When I was in um, Rome studying, uh, a colleague of mine gave me an article to read on teaching. And it was kind of a simplistic article, but it was you know, a good type of thing in terms of to read before you step into the classroom. And he said, basically, there are three types of learners. One type is the one that is very visual. And literally, they, they don't get it unless they see it. So you, when you write on the board or you, you draw or you know, they read it, they're seeing it, literally physically seeing it. And they'll sometimes use the phrase, oh, I see what you're saying now. I see what you're saying now, meaning I understand it because visually I get it. Then there are those who are oral, that is, they, they, they're very good listeners, good listening skills. And these are the ones that in the classroom, you know, you can be teaching and they're looking out the window and, you know, being distracted. And um, you can say to them, uh, Jack, uh, can you tell me what I just said? You know, turn, look at you and repeat exactly what you said. Because, again, good listening skills. And then there are the, so the third type that um, they're the ones who literally... They, they reason out, they talk out, and those are the ones who usually about two minutes before class ends will ask a question. And everybody wants to beat them up <laughs> because the professor is going to take another 10 minutes to give to answer so that they will understand and get to know something. And everybody else just says, uh, we're going to take you behind the shed after class and we'll show you how, t we'll teach you how to ask questions or what time to ask questions. So it, that, that idea that, uh, again, we use our senses that's how we know, that's how we learn, that's how we express uh, intimacy and, and compassion, that's how we you know, live our lives. And so the idea of being here 
Uh, and again, looking over the desert, just looking at it and the, the, from the Jordan uh, all the way here, going back south again. And that idea of experiencing what Jesus may have gone through, what he may have experienced uh, by that. We use the phrase in terms of the Lenten season, we enter into a new, into the desert with Christ during the Lenten season. And so being here during this Lenten season to take advantage of that idea, that concept of entering into the desert. And that's why we're here. And so we, we, we read the temptation scene. Sometimes people want to look at um, the temptation scene from the point of view of um, whether it's, you know, the stones be made into bread. So it's about uh, gluttony. And then others will say, well, you know, it's about the idea of having all the kingdoms of the world. It's about power. Those are not bad interpretations, but I, I'd prefer myself to go to the scriptures and look at what's being said. What does the tempter say? And it's being said from the point of view of conditional sentences. We all know what a conditional sentence is. If I win the lottery, I'm taking everyone to Hawaii. Free, business class, first class. If I win the lottery. If I don't win the lottery, well, we'll just go back to Florida, wherever, South Carolina. You know. But it's that, because in both, in, in, in the, if, you, if you listen and look at the text, if you are the Son of God, says it twice, the first two temptations in Matthew's Gospel. If you are the Son of God. Now just prior to this, Jesus was baptized, and as he comes out of the water, what does the voice from heaven say? This is my beloved Son. And so the idea of tempting Jesus are in terms of his own nature. The Holy Spirit comes upon him in the form of a dove. The Trinitarian notion, you know, the idea of that being strengthened by the sacrament of baptism. And yet we know all of us being baptized, or the ones who are, it doesn't preclude, it doesn't exclude the idea of what? That we're going to be tempted. And so when we look at that, the temptation was for Jesus to give up his identity. And to give up his identity so that in the third temptation, if you will bow down and worship me. Again, another conditional sentence. If you'll deny who you are, if you'll reject the voice of the Father, if you won't listen to what you've been told, if you don't listen to who you are, then what's going to happen? He's going to not, no longer become the son of God, but the son of the devil, the son of Satan. And that's the difficulty. And I think that, again, the Lord, and the, I go back to that basic question you've heard, you've heard me ask a number of times, why does the evangelist record this? The evangelist records it, in my opinion, to give us instruction, to give us encouragement, to strengthen our faith, to strengthen the faith of that community and our, our community. The idea of asking ourselves the questions, when have I compromised on my identity as a beloved son or daughter of God? When have I given in to those temptations? In other words, they're connected. The church will ask us to go through the desert on for 40 days and 40 nights for the Lenten season. Now that we're here, we're in the desert, physically as well as spiritually. And our hope is that you'll make the connection, connect the dots between the idea of the experience, the sight, the vision, the view, with the idea of what we're being asked to do. You know, Lent didn't start out as um, uh, a season liturgically. 
Lent didn't start out that way. What happened was that in terms of the development of the church in the Lenten season, those preparing to become Christian, they took instructions up to three years. And so consequently, as they were, as they were going through, coming to that last part of it where they were going to be received into the church, at one point the church says, you know, maybe it's not a bad idea if you do something spiritual prior to receiving the Eucharist, prior to receiving uh, the, the, the creed, or prior to being baptized. And so initially the church, it started out just like a week. And then they thought, well, maybe not only for the person, you know, being baptized and receiving the Eucharist, and maybe for their sponsors. And so the second phase was they, they started asking the sponsors now to do that. And then it moved to 40 days. And then they got the good idea, wait a second, these people were being baptized into a community Maybe the community needs to walk with these people that are coming into the faith. And therefore, the idea of saying, okay, fine, as we see, and the church, in my opinion, thank God, restored the right of Christian initiations of adults uh, into the Second Vatican Council and restored it by saying, you know, let's not only look at the Lenten season, which we've had for decades and for centuries, now let's take a look at it from the point of view of those being received into our communities and let us walk with them. Let us make their intentions. And so, you know, at the masses where the uh, catechumens and the candidates are dismissed, the idea is that we, again, in a very incarnate way, we see their faces. We get to know their names. They become part of our community. And then the idea of walking together. One of the reasons we do the, with the Eucharist is to remind us of the strength, hopefully, that we receive to be able to fight that temptation, to be able to fight Satan, to be able to fight sin in terms of coming to the Eucharist and being nurtured on the bread of life. We ask the Lord as we are in this experience now, let us be like very dry sponges and, <laughs> and just absorb what we're going through, absorb the experience we're going through, to take it in, to be able to, to use this experience of this pilgrimage for our spiritual benefit and our spiritual welfare. <laughs>